0: This is Health Dose, a conversational podcast that focuses on issues that affect your health. I'm Jerry O'Donnell, and today we're talking about minimally invasive approaches to hip problems. Our guest is orthopedic surgeon, Teresa Hall, D.O. Dr. Hall is an orthopedic surgeon, fellowship trained in sports medicine, and her interests revolve around arthroscopy, primarily of the shoulder, hip, and knee. Dr. Hall also performs a variety of open surgeries, shoulder and knee joint replacements, and care for fractures. Healthdose asked Dr. Hall to explain what is hip arthroscopy.
1: Hip arthroscopy is surgery, first and foremost. So we do it in an operating room as a sterile procedure with the patient asleep under a general anesthetic, similar to other surgeries they may be familiar with. And it's where we're going into the hip joint with essentially a microscope or a camera and looking all around the joint. It can be for a number of different procedures, but we're physically laying eyes on it by means of this camera to look at all of the structures. The bone ends within the joint, the articular cartilage, the labrum, as well as the joint capsule and addressing the pathology that we're able to as a minimally invasive surgery. So there are special instruments that we use to access the hip joint and to work within the joint. The primary difference between arthroscopy of the hip and other joints is that it's a very constrained hip. The hip is a ball and socket Mm -hmm. joint. So the way that we actually access the joint is by distracting or pulling traction on the leg to pull the ball out of the socket. You kind
0: of dislocate the joint?
1: We do. And, and in fact, we don't actually call it truly dislocating because we're pulling it in line creating space Mm -hmm. but certainly there's risks associated with that because the blood vessels and nerves in the leg don't tolerate a lot of traction for a long period of time but that allows us to work within that joint without causing any damage and then we reduce the traction or replace the ball inside the hip the only reason i make that differentiation is that truly it's not a dislocation because that's sort of the old more historic way of dealing with some of these same pathologies that actually required an open procedure to physically remove the ball out of the socket.
0: When I envision arthroscopy, it's like one little hole and you stick a camera in there and it's got Maybe some kind of burrowing device on the end of it, or or some kind of device that can pull out what you don't want in that joint. Is that
1: correct? It's not far off for the hip. I use three different poke holes. So Mm -hmm. yes, the incisions are a centimeter or so in size, but by using multiple incisions, we can insert multiple instruments at the same time. So there's a light source with a camera and saline or essentially water that's more physiologically similar to the fluid already in our bodies that gets infiltrated Into the joint so we can see and then the other two arthroscopic portals is what we call them or mini incisions are where we insert our other instruments so there's various types of instrumentations there's some burrs we can use to shave down bone you actually do call it a burr yeah yeah there are shavers there are graspers and Mm. suture passers to do some repairs and things like that
0: so if not for arthroscopic surgery how would you be getting to those little pieces and parts that you got to pull out of my hip joint
1: so the more historic procedure is an open surgical dislocation. Um, And that's one of the main reasons why hip arthroscopy came to be. That's a very invasive surgery. So there is a fair amount of postoperative pain associated with going through skin, muscles, tendons, even potentially allowing for bone to heal. It also can compromise the blood supply to the femoral head or the ball within the ball and socket joint. So this is much more minimally invasive, protective to all the soft tissues around it and including the bone by minimizing the risk of the blood supply to the femoral head
0: when is arthroscopy needed when is it indicated for your patients
1: the primary indication for hip arthroscopy is impingement syndrome of the hip as I mentioned the hip is a ball and socket joint and so there's a couple different scenarios where that goes wrong if you imagine a perfectly shaped hemisphere around a ball sometimes the hemisphere is overbearing it's truly more than half of a sphere and that can cause limits in motion because it's more constraining. Conversely, on the other side of things, you can have a problem with the ball within the ball and socket joint, where it's actually flat on one side. We call that a cam lesion, where the hemisphere is more constraining. That's called a pincer lesion. Both of those are amenable to essentially shaving down the bony problems to make it a more perfect ball and socket joint. Now, those become a problem with more extreme ranges of motion. We classically think about this in hockey, goalkeepers, but other sports, other athletes have this problem as well. And in fact, even non-athletes, anybody walking around can have this problem and it can be severe enough that they have problems with even just activities of daily living, not necessarily playing sports. When you have those bony abnormalities, you can be susceptible to tears within the labrum. The labrum is a soft tissue, it's cartilage, it's a lining of the hip joint, essentially a gasket that adds some stability to the hip joint. And when that tears, that's also something that we can fix with arthroscopy.
0: So while this may be something that I developed as part of my athletic career, it could also just be that I'm old and my hip is getting worn out.
1: Well... So I caution in that because when I think of aging and wearing out a hip, I think of arthritis, which Mm. is a degenerative process. And
0: this is not arthritis that we're talking about.
1: Correct. This is not arthritis. Hip arthroscopy truly is not a fix for arthritis. Arthritis, I like to tell my patients, is a balding of the tires on your car. Okay, And I don't have a way to put that cartilage back on those bald tires with this procedure. Mm -hmm. Truly a fix for that is going out to buy a new set of tires, and that's a hip replacement. It's a little bit of a misnomer. We're not cutting out your entire hip segment. I like to tell patients it's a little bit more similar to a resurfacing procedure, but that's not amenable via arthroscopy. So it is... Typically, a procedure that we would indicate patients for under 50. Now, that doesn't mean you're not a candidate if you're over 50, but that's sort of a good generic rule of thumb.
0: Is it different for men and women?
1: So the procedure itself would be the same. They're more susceptible to different problems, Mm -hmm. essentially. So I alluded to that flat part of the femoral head or flat part of the ball that's more common in men. The overbearing, over-constrained socket side is more common in women. Actually, the most common pathology is a mixture of the two pathologies that we see. Mm-hmm. And women are, in general, more susceptible to having tears of the labrum because their ligaments tend to be a little bit more lax and have more range of motion. They tend to have that abutment between the two bones that pinches the labrum, causing the labral tears.
0: Which hip conditions can be treated arthroscopically and what, what typically do you see?
1: So the most common that are treated with hip arthroscopy are hip impingement. So again, the cam and pincer lesions, where there's bony abnormalities of overgrowth or incorrect shape. Labral tears can also be fixed with hip arthroscopy, and that can be in conjunction with impingement or just in isolation that can be from an injury. We can also remove any loose bodies or loose pieces floating around the hip joint that can cause mechanical symptoms as well as any inflammation of the joint lining. What it does not treat is the hip arthritis because we don't have a great way to restore cartilage surfaces within the hip joint through those poke hole incisions.
0: I'm still not sure I understand what a, what the labrum is. What You, you said it's soft tissue.
1: Yes, it's, so it's not bone, mm-hmm. and it's not muscle or tendon. Tendon is attaching muscle to bone. It's a ring of cartilage that adds a component of shock absorption, but truly it adds stability to the hip joint. It deepens the hip socket. The labrum can be susceptible to tearing when it gets pinched between to abnormally shaped bones right. that are pinching the labrum.
0: So I'm thinking about anatomy. I'm picturing like a cartilage-like substance that covers the joint and can fill in the gap between the ball and the socket.
1: It's more a ring around it like a gasket.
0: Okay. All right. And if you've got any bony protrudences there, it can tear at that. Correct. It's kind of getting rid of friction and getting rid of the tearing and grinding that could go on in that socket.
1: Yes, and if it's torn away from the ring of the socket, it can flip in and out of place. A lot of patients, whether through their own being or talking with family members and friends, may have had, know of anyone that has had meniscus surgery. Mm -hmm. It can cause similar type of symptoms in the hip because if it's not attached, it can float out of place causing mechanical symptoms such as painful clicking Mm -hmm. or a sensation of instability.
0: How do you determine if arthroscopy is the right procedure for me?
1: So the first step would be to get evaluated by a qualified professional. If you are an athlete, talking to your athletic trainer, if that's someone that you have available to you. If not, starting with your primary care physician, they'll start out getting some x-rays. We also do have primary care sports medicine physicians that are excellent at evaluating the hip, whether you're an athlete or just doing your best to stay active on your own. They'll start with a history to understand what it is that you're feeling, follow it up with a physical exam to see if your symptoms, again, are consistent with our pathology we can treat with hip arthroscopy. Mm After that, they'll want to make sure that other pathologies are ruled out. As I mentioned, they'll take some x-rays, standing x-rays, to look for any joint space narrowing that might be evidence of arthritis or wearing out of the hip joint. And then if they think that everything is consistent with hip impingement to that point, they may order an MRI. It's a special MRI of your hip where they actually use a needle and inject dye or contrast into your hip joint, that helps us to specifically better see the labrum. And again, if all things are consistent, they would send a referral to see me.
0: What kinds of things are you trying to rule out while you're going through this process?
1: So a lot of other things can... Feel like hip pain. The hip is a very deep joint as opposed to like the ankle, let's say. Lots of overlying muscle. You can get pain referred from the back. So, some typical things would be low back pain with pinched nerves. People can feel that as hip pain or buttock pain because the nerves travel to that area. So, the perceived pain is in that same location. You can also have greater trochanteric bursitis. That's a sort of tendonitis or overuse injury that people feel on the outside part of their hip. It's actually a little sack of fluid that can get irritated as a tendon overlying it gets inflamed with repetitive use. Piriformis syndrome is a very small muscle that can become quite painful when it's tight or you have muscle imbalance around the hip. That's also on the outside, the lateral side I'm pointing here, mm-hmm. knowing that our listeners can't see, but also the back side of the buttock. Any strains, hip flexor strains, or even adductor muscle strains very common in hockey players or soccer players. And then another one would be the sports hernia, which flies under the radar. It can be a difficult diagnosis to achieve without a really honed in physical exam. And so that's another common one that I typically find. And then the last one, of course, would be arthritis. Arthritis can be very painful, and you do feel the pain being deep into the groin area where hip pathology is felt.
0: Is there ever a time when you send your patient away and say, I don't need to see you for a couple of years, but you need to exercise to strengthen this part of your body? And what exercises are you instructing your patients to focus on when they're trying to put off seeing you surgically?
1: Sure. I have a very specific specific protocol for managing labral tears in a non-operative way. It's been described in our medical literature, and really it's focusing on core strengthening. We call it core to floor strengthening. So focusing on your core, gluteus muscles, thigh muscles, particularly hamstring stretching because a lot of us are tight in a lot of the ways that we spend the majority of our day sitting Mm -hmm. even if we are athletic still the majority of our day is spent sitting and so we're predisposed to certain muscle groups being tight and pulling on our bones which can cause pain and other issues
0: so prior to surgery what do you advise your patients to do to prep for it is there ever a time when arthroscopic surgery is not required but there's something you can do that's less invasive than arthroscopic surgery
1: So sometimes in patients that have a mixed picture, or if they have a couple things going on and it's really unclear how much we can help them with hip arthroscopy, if at all, sometimes we'll talk with our patients about doing what we call a diagnostic therapeutic injection. So if I break that down, the diagnostic part is we can do an injection into the hip joint itself. It's typically just a numbing medicine, lidocaine, something that you would get when you're at the dentist. And if that relieves hip pain, we know that in fact there is something going on in the hip that's causing pain. Even if for say the MRI is negative. MRI slices are usually about three millimeters apart. So there's always the possibility that the MRI comes back, quote, normal. But that doesn't mean that something could get missed between the thickness in between those slides. Correct. Mm. So in that case, we can do an injection of lidocaine under ultrasound guidance. And if they get good relief with that, then we know in fact there is something going on in the hip joint. Occasionally, we can also add a steroid to that People also are familiar with knees getting injected, shoulders getting injected with that steroid or cortisone, and that can give longer lasting relief than the lidocaine, which can be just hours. So it helps us, again, both diagnostically to know there's something going on in the hip, but therapeutically can give longer lasting relief.
0: And those cortisone injections aren't going to last forever,
1: They don't. And if you've never had one, it can be variable. Sometimes it can give good relief for six months or a year. Sometimes it's shorter lived than that, especially if you've had multiple, especially in that same joint.
0: So let's talk about the surgery itself. What happens during the arthroscopic surgery?
1: So once a patient is asleep, we have a very special table that allows us, as I mentioned, we have to pull traction on the leg to create room to work without causing additional damage. It's a very special bed that allows us to do that without causing other injury to the leg or to the body. Once the hip joint is distracted, we use several portals or microscopic incisions to access the hip joint. We actually have to cut the hip capsule, which is the joint lining, again, to access everything that we need to without causing further damage. We put some fluid or normal saline into the joint to be able to work and to see. And we inspect the joint first. And if there is, in fact, a labral tear, we would start with treating that. So we create a fresh bed, essentially for that labrum, that cartilage, to heal down to, pass sutures around the labrum, and anchor it back down to the outside edge of the socket. Once that's complete, if there's other pathology, such as more of a flat ball, that flat femoral head, we'll shave that down with a burr, being sure to preserve all of the articular cartilage that's needed for the normal joint. And when that's all done, then we close up the hip capsule with some sutures for repair. The patients then wake up. They usually just have three small incisions, approximately a centimeter in size. After three days, they can shower, let soap and water run over the incisions. For the first three weeks to just protect all of the repairs that were done, I do have patients wear a hip brace and limit them. They're just toe-touch weight-bearing, so they're not putting any weight through that leg. They're just resting the leg on the ground to help with balance. We get them in with physical therapy right away that helps prevent any stiffness or significant scar tissue from forming, and it's a very structured protocol. When I do this procedure on athletes, I prevent them from running until that four month mark. At five months, we then start them in a return to play progression protocol under the close supervision of a physical therapist. And then if they're hitting all their marks on time, we'd plan for them to return to their sport at around the six month time mark. But patients can see improvement for up to a year.
0: Compare and contrast for us, if you would please, the severity or the length of recovery time needed for this, as opposed to somebody who's had a hip replacement. Because you get people with a hip replacement walking same day.
1: They do. And that is very different. And that's because it's uh, structurally these are are very different procedures. In fact, weight-bearing on a total hip helps some of the healing because it helps the bone remodel or grow onto those metal implants. Mm -hmm. This is different in that it's all soft tissue. We're trying not to stress while everything sort of cooks or heals inside the body for a sufficient amount of time. And that can be... A slow process. It can easily be 12 weeks to allow those soft tissues to heal.
0: Soft tissue is actually more complicated and more tricky than than bone itself.
1: It is. It's a very fine line. Bone does a usually a very good job at healing, but soft tissue, we want it to be healing and allow it to heal, but not too much scar tissue that we have too much stiffness that then we're fighting.
0: So when do I know I need to see an orthopedic specialist for my hip pain? When is it going beyond I'm a certain age or I've had a certain career and this is just the pain you're gonna to have to live with.
1: So a good start would be talking with your primary care physician and having a preliminary evaluation with both history, physical exam, and then also x-ray images. If there's any question about a real diagnosis, a referral, to my office, I'm always happy to see patients. As I mentioned, there's quite a lot of things that can feel like hip pain, but actually are caused from other sources aside from the hip joint proper. And so I'm happy to see those patients to either give a second opinion or to confirm what's going on in the hip joint.
0: That is orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Teresa Hall. As always, if you have health concerns, the best place to start is your primary care provider. If you need help finding a primary care provider, go to mymichigan.org slash doctors. And for more information about MyMichigan Health Orthopedics, go to mymichiganhealth.org slash ortho or call 833-923-3444. For help in scheduling an appointment with a non-surgical musculoskeletal specialist or an orthopedic surgeon. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Thank you so much for listening and check back again soon for another episode of Health Dose.